Hey friends, thanks for joining me today. It's Kelly Casperson, and this is a uh, audio recording of a live lecture that I gave in the um, last weekend. It's called the Best of Life Summit. It was a live virtual event, May 14th, 15th, and 16th, and it was all about uh, bringing together 25 doctors and innovative speakers for three transformational days of dynamic conversations specifically designed for smart and savvy women in passionate pursuit of the best in life. And who hosted this? It was the host with the most. Seriously, this woman's amazing. Dr. Vonda Wright. She's an orthopedic surgeon. She's been on Dr. Oz. She is like so cool with like, she's such a good interviewer, but she's been on tons of media and she's all about women's health conversations, specifically women in midlife, perimenopause and menopause. So she is so awesome and I'm totally on her team. And so she had me and I talked about kind of my basic spiel. If you want to hear my spiel again, uh, I think I do. I think I do it a little bit differently every time. It's still entertaining. So if you want to hear me today talk about sex and myths and low desire and all that stuff, enjoy this 20 minute little live lecture I gave last weekend. Remember, this is all for educational and entertainment purposes only. I am not your specific medical doctor giving you specific medical advice. I know you know that. Um, follow me and subscribe and follow me on Instagram because I tend to go live there and answer lots of questions. And I love you so much. I hope you enjoy this hot for your health lecture I gave. Love you so much. Welcome to You Are Not Broken, the only podcast that combines science, medicine, and psychology to re-educate your brain and help you live your best love life. And I'm your host, board-certified female urologist, Dr. Casperson. Dr. Kelly Casperson is a urologist, which, like orthopedic surgery, doesn't have that many women. But she has totally taken charge of an area of urology that there weren't many people talking about. Uh, so she's not only a practicing urologist, does surgery all the time. You should find her on Instagram. She comes on and she answers your questions. People write her, she writes it on a sticky note, and then she spends time answering your questions um, because she believes that you are not broken. And so you must go listen to her. And she's also, on top of that, a life coach. Dr. Casserson, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. You know what, I've really come to love your energy and your spirit and the truth that you tell every day in the very frank way you do it. There is no, you know, sometimes talking about body parts and naming names of this is actually the name of this body part or the feelings that feel around it. I mean, it's still so whispered. And I just really appreciate you saying, not on my watch. We yeah. are going to appreciate all of ourselves. So I'm thrilled that you're here. I can't wait to hear what you're going to say. And then I'll pop back in when you're done. Awesome. Okay, Best of Light Summit. I am Dr. Casperson, and I'm a urologist, and I'm so excited to be here. So I got into this. I've been a urologist outside of residency now for about nine years. And I had a woman crying in my office. She had bladder cancer. We cured her from her bladder cancer. And she was crying in my office because she was devastated about lack of sexual desire very happy marriage, loved her husband, had no sexual desire and was feeling very broken by it. And I had no idea how to help her. So I went deep dive into female sexual medicine, went from my belief that nobody knows, because I was actually taught in residency that 
it's complicated. We're complicated. We don't know how. We might never, ever learn. And turns out it's simply not true. We know tons about female sexual desire, dysfunction, how we work. We just live in a society that's so male-centric. We don't get taught about the women's side of things. And finally, we have to deal with the people who are sleeping with the people who are taking the Viagra. So we need to care about the women. So my purpose now is connecting people with education, accurate, sexual pleasure-based education, not the fear-based sex education that if we were even lucky to get it when we were growing up. Only 18 states require medically accurate sex education and zero states talk about pleasure as far as sex education goes. So what they call sex positive, right? Sex is awkward. It's uncomfortable to talk about. I think I do my best to make it not awkward and talk about it like the weather. Um, And then realizing that Improving your sex life, we want to increase our, our communication and our and our ability to talk to our partner, but that conversation, I would suggest, is where the connection comes from. Actually talking about your sex life, working together to improve your sex life, is where that connection comes from. Yes, bonus points, what you're doing in the bedroom is more fun, but the connection really is in the communication and talking about it. First things first, the number one reason that women feel like they're broken is because we are taught because of Hollywood and society that we just need to be walking around like 18-year-old males desiring sex all the time, what we call spontaneous desire. And I've got some books in this slide show if you guys want to take notes and read some more books. Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski is amazing, really breaking down that spontaneous desire in women as we age, as we're especially if we're in committed long-term relationships, is not the norm. It's actually an option. There are some women who have spontaneous sexual desire throughout their entire lifespan, but that's not the majority. You're not broken if you don't have it. You might have it when you're younger and have a lot higher testosterone and you're not in a committed long-term relationship, right? It's kind of a trade-off with monogamy. Things that are known our brain does not think is novel, we don't seek out, right? So it's a kind of a trade-off in a long-term relationship. Instead, the majority of these women have what we call responsive or receptive desire, meaning I'm not going around looking for sex, but once I'm in the moment, once I'm talking and hanging out and touching with my partner, the desire naturally arises, what we call responsive desire, and it's a very normal part of female sexual function. So you are absolutely not broken, rule number one, if you have responsive or receptive desire. How many women say, I don't really feel like having sex, and they feel so broken about it. But when they have sex, they're like, that was great, I just forgot how great it was. That is totally normal. We just have to remember that we got to get to the party to enjoy the party and just kind of waiting around desiring to go to the party isn't what is working for a lot of people. Another big thing that women feel broken about, they feel broken about this low sexual desire or what we call desire mismatch. And they feel like they're broken because they have the lower sexual desire. Well, here's the news alert that everybody has to know. Whenever you have two people in a relationship, they desire different things Some people like sweet, some people like salty, some people like running, some people like tennis. You put two people in a room, they they have different preferences for things. Same thing with sex. And by the way, what exactly is a low desire, right? How many times a week is called low desire? So we're constantly comparing ourselves to what we think we should do. And shooting all over your sex life is actually horrible for your sex life. I'm coming out with a book. It's coming out this the holidays. It's called You Are Not Broken. Stop shooting all over your sex life. Because women just add the unnecessary beating themselves up on top of a sexual life and an actual sexual function. So knock it off. There's completely normal couples that have desire mismatch. 
it is the job of the couple to meet in the middle and make it so everybody is, not, if not completely happy, a compromise, right? Lowering it down to the lowest or rising it to the highest might not be the most successful approach. Talking about it, compromising, it is not the low desire person's job to reach the level of the high desire person. That will change so many people who think that they're broken. It's incredibly, incredibly important. Okay, so let us continue on. Orgasm inequality, incredibly common. Heterosexual women in heterosexual relationships, so a woman paired with a man, the heterosexual woman is having the least amount of orgasms of anybody on the planet in a sexual relationship, meaning in same-sex couples, men-men, women-women, they're all having more orgasms. The heterosexual man has a high amount of orgasms. Everybody's having more orgasms than the heterosexual woman. It's what we call orgasm inequality. And so if we prioritize male sex, if we call sex, the definition of sex, if we keep it so narrow that it starts when something goes in the vagina and it ends when a male ejaculates, that's not enough. We're not celebrating what a woman needs in order to have an orgasm. Women are feeling broken because they're not having orgasms from putting something in their vagina. In a couple of slides, I'll demonstrate that's not actually where our orgasms come from. Until we expand our view of what sex is and we start prioritizing women and men, both in a heterosexual couple, we will continue to have orgasm inequality. So here's melted ice cream. I love this metaphor. Uh, I love ice cream, but I will not eat melted ice cream. Can't make me like it. So does a woman actually have low desire or is she having boring or bad sex? Bad sex, I think bad, uh, bad sex is having painful sex, right? That's bad sex. Sex should never be painful. See a doctor for that. And then boring sex is it's the same thing over and over. It's prioritizing his orgasm. It's done when he's done. And if I got mine, I'm lucky. And if I didn't, I didn't. That's boring sex. What we know from data is women ha need more... Uh, you know, thoughts, adventure, variation, whatever you want to call it. Women are bored in bed. That's not their fault. They're not broken because the exact same thing doesn't feel good every single darn time. It's just called boring. Until we start prioritizing both people in that relationship, I'm not surprised when she doesn't really seek out or desire sex. It's melted ice cream for her. So, Another key for female sexual function, you don't get any awards for multitasking. We think we do, right? We're running a business, we've got an employer, we've got kids, we've got a spouse, we've got to keep our fitness up, we have to eat eight fruits and vegetables a day. We're always kind of trying to do all these things. Orgasms don't live there. Orgasms don't live in our frontal lobe, right? We really have to work at turning off the multitasking. We also have to work on tuning out or tuning off the future and the past because orgasms don't live there. When you're in the bedroom tuning into what's happening inside your body, inside your body and in the kind of the hindbrain is where that orgasm lives, not in the frontal brain. The other thing we know that is really inhibiting for orgasms for women is what we call spectatoring. So a woman is kind of watching herself have sex, right? Oh, are my thighs jiggling? Uh, is, he gonna, is, is his erection going to work well enough? Oh, am I going to have an orgasm this time? I don't know. That's called spectatoring. That's your brain watching you having sex. Orgasms do not live there. You have to say, and working on that mindfulness of there's my thought. There it is, loving kindness. It gets to go. Focus back on the pelvis. Focus back on the clitoris. This is a skill that can be taught. We aren't taught it, but it can be taught. And in women who come into researchers or clinics and they say they have low sexual desire, when they're given a mindfulness-based practice of focusing on pleasure, of focusing on what feels good, their orgasms, their pleasure, their joy returns. So real quick on the hardware, 
The clitoris is the only organ in the entire body in any gender that is solely designed for pleasure. What about the penis, you say? Well, the penis has to urinate and the penis has to ejaculate. It actually has three jobs, pleasure being one of the three. Clitoris is the only organ in any body designed solely for pleasure, and we are carrying it around with us 24 hours a day. It's amazing. Here's the thing. Clitoris is not the vagina. When we put things in the vagina, we don't always have orgasms. Vagina is very useful for many things. It gets menstrual blood out. It gets babies out. It allows sperm in to have babies. Orgasm is not the vagina's job. When we limit our view to heterosexual paradigm of kind of male-focused sex, we think the vagina is where the orgasms come from. We feel broken when we don't have orgasm, orgasms with penis and vagina sex. What we know from the studies, only 20% of women have orgasms with penis and vagina sex. So you have to pay attention to the clitoris. The clitoris actually, the, the, the tip of it, tip of the iceberg, kind of the glands, is on the only part you can see on the outside. It wraps in and under the labia. The labia minora and the labia majora are sexual organs. Massaging that, stretching that, playing with that creates arousal, creates blood flow, leads to better orgasm. If you don't allow for blood flow and arousal, we don't wonder, don't wonder where the orgasm comes from. We have to pay attention to all of her erectile tissue. Women have almost as much erectile tissue in their pelvis as a man does. It's just located in different spots, and we don't always access it with a penis. The other thing about a penis is it's always not the greatest tool for us. So vibra vibrators, which we'll talk about, Femtech, it's amazing, work very, very well, hands, oral sex, all the things we need to have an orgasm. Don't feel broken when there's one tool that the man owns that works for him, but it doesn't work for us to have orgasms. Totally normal. So let's talk quick, just I can't do a doctor talk without talking about medications. This is always my talk to women in clinic. Vaginal estrogen, perimenopause, postmenopause, and the decades after, it's like sunscreens and safety belts. If you want healthy teeth, you go to the dentist. If you want a healthy vagina, you use vaginal estrogen. After menopause, our estrogen goes down to, well, let's call it zero, and we get dryness, tightness, uh, tearing, pain. So many women stop having sex because of low estrogen. You don't have to. Vaginal estrogen is incredibly safe. There is zero risk of cancer. Don't confuse vaginal estrogen with systemic estrogen. They're two very different products and it's just healthy maintenance. If you want to go out in the sun, you wear sunscreen. If you want to be sexually active, even for women who aren't sexually active, it decreases the risk of urinary tract infections, decreases the risk of overactive bladder, really helps just with that dryness sensitivity that can happen even if we're not even having sex. Okay, uh, also a role for estrogen and testosterone. Sometimes we can kind of get fancy with medications when you actually go see a sex med doctor. And the vagina is a self-cleaning oven. I don't want any soaps. I don't want any douches. I don't want any products with anything in it except for lubrication with sexual activity to go in the vagina. Caveat, you can now buy products that are hormone-free, that have hyaluronic acid in it, that can help moisturize a dry vagina post-menopause. But other than that, we don't need our vagina to smell like flowers. That's not its job. It's a self-cleaning oven. Real quick, to talk about menopause is that estrogen is very important. But a woman who chooses not to use estrogen after menopause, they've done studies, she can have as equally good of a sex life. There is a role for testosterone supplementation. A lot of women don't think of testosterone as a, as a hormone that we have, but it also goes down. And there is a role for testosterone supplementation. Again, not FDA approved. It's all off-label. 
but there is some data for some women that their sex drive goes up. But remember, the biggest sex organ in your body is your brain. And the way we're trained to think about sex, if we think we're worthy of sex, if we think sex is for us to enjoy and have pleasure, that's where that desire comes from. If you still need to clean up those thoughts and just slap some testosterone on, it's not going to work. The mind is absolutely number one. Testosterone is just a little bit extra for some people. So remember, you are not broken. If anything is broken, it's a system. Lack of sex education, the way we think about desire and our expectations. And you, you are lovely. So I ran through that fast because my favorite part is the panel and questions and answers, and I just can't wait to get to it. So here we go. Kelly, I cannot get enough of you. And in fact, Natalie and I have been texting back and forth. And this book, you know, I sure hope the publishers let you keep that name. (laughs) shitting on your sex life because you know what i think the reason that that your messaging has taken off is that is that you like i said before you're not whispering you're you're just stating the facts because at least my generation of women you're you're younger than me but i think my generation of women were were you know even though even though there were, we were born in the '60s when there was peace, love, and sex, and everything. But that's not how then the daughters of that generation were raised. If we were raised that way, we would know what happens to us in perimenopause, right? So I just appreciate. I think I've said it a lot of times. You're you're taking this on and speaking publicly, and I want to talk for two seconds about what needs to happen um, because we talk a lot, we aim this at women, but this is kind of a man's problem too, right? 100%. I mean, I'm married to a man who's older than me and I'm postmenopausal, and and I think there's an entire education that has to happen with our partners if they're men, with our partners, our partners period, right? We can figure it out if we're, you know, I've said it three times now. Sorry, mom, it is masturbation month. But um, if we have a partner and they're male, they need an education too. If you had to open that conversation or tell a guy three things because their minds are going to be blown, prioritize for the women listening um, what you need to tell them first. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you completely, but I always give kindness to the man, right? If we, if we shouldn't should on our sex life, we shouldn't should on what they should know. And they didn't get any secret education. We shouldn't should. On the man. We shouldn't say, you should have known this. That's what you're saying. Yeah, well, so many women give away their power, right? He doesn't give me an orgasm. It's like he doesn't, he's, it's not his job to give you an orgasm. It's your job to know how orgasms happen in you and then bring him along, have him play with you. So I think a lot of women give away their power when they're like, well, I just don't have an orgasm because like he doesn't really give me an orgasm. It's like he didn't go to a secret school like to learn this. Right. So they don't know any more than us. They don't even have our body parts. Right. So why would they know? know? I'm a sports doc and I will tell you what men talk about in locker rooms. And it's not knowing anatomy, actually. So uh, talking about anatomy, um, how do you recommend other than looking in a book, which, you know, frankly, my husband makes fun of me. I went to Barnes and Noble and read a lot of books about a lot of stuff I didn't know about when it came to preparing to be in marriage. But, um, women need to know their own anatomy. Women don't know that the clitoris 
is external and then dives under the labia, maybe have two or three sets and that they disappear once your estrogen does. What do you, what do you advise your patients in terms of figuring out their own anatomy? Yeah. Well, I don't even call it masturbation because I think it's such a loaded term. I call it self-cultivation. I read it in a book, so I can't claim anything for that. But it's like self-cultivation is just learning, hey, this feels good. This doesn't feel good. When I feel really turned on, this is what I like. Um, a Women's Anatomy of Arousal is another book that's really good and really has a lot of anatomy and goes into kind of empowering women. The most important thing is that if we don't pay attention to the clitoris, which is the organ of pleasure, we probably won't have orgasms like we could. Right. Some women do have orgasms with penis and vagina sex or they call PIV sex. Good for you. That's fantastic. But that's not the normal for women. And here we go around feeling so broken because we think our anatomy should be different than it is. We just haven't learned it. Yeah, absolutely. I think another thing. We're going to come back and talk about all of this in the panel. But one more question I want to ask you while I have you here on stage is, you know, our vaginal and even labial, our whole pelvic anatomy changes so much after we have children. Even after one child, we don't have to have six children for everything to be disoriented. Um, is that permanent? Is there nothing we can do? Um, how do we get a semblance of what it was before we pushed a nine pound child out of our pelvis? I mean, yeah. What is your advice as a urologist? How do we deal with that? Well, two things can happen, and I see it all the time every day in my clinic. Things can either become too loose or things can become too tight. If things are too tight, it tends to be painful, right? Um, muscles can get tight just like your shoulder gets tight or your quadriceps get tight. Your pelvic muscles can get tight. There is a lot of pain um, and trouble with penetration that happens with that. Pelvic floor physical therapy is a thing, and that's a great treatment for it. The other thing that can happen is things get too loose. Big babies can loosen ligaments. Our muscles get kind of worn out and stretched from carrying the baby. Um, and also just as women age, we lose muscle mass, especially if we're not being active or you know, keeping our hormones where they were premenopausal. So if it's too loose, you can go to pelvic floor physical therapy to work on strengthening it. But the thing I think is the most damaging, again, is the biggest sex organ is your brain. If you think something's wrong with you because you had a baby or you think things aren't right or, you, or the other thing, spectatoring, right? If you think he's not enjoying it because you had a baby and maybe it feels too loose, that's where everything gets all tricky. And it's like, it's completely an unnecessary worrying. Most guys can't tell. Oh, put that on a billboard. All right. <laughs> well, Cal Dr. Casterson, I love having you here. I'm gonna uh, have us pop off and have um, a really interesting and uh, problem-solving person come on right now for a brief conversation before we all return back to our panel. So thank you so much. I will see you momentarily.